Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace, and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. And I thought in terms of whether to continue with the segment on firstborn sonship or to do this that I feel the Lord is stressing prophetically. As you know, we have to go with what the Lord is stressing. Amen. We will pick up firstborn sonship again um, in three or four weeks' time. But I, I, I felt that the Lord is going to open doors for us. Amen. And so I want to talk to you about open doors. Everyone say open doors. Hence, we, we, we sang that song today. An open heaven and then an open door. We have just come through the series of lift up your heads, all you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. Jesus in John 10 said, I am the gate, I am the door. Some versions of the Bible use the terms interchangeably, gate and doors. Ultimately, Jesus is the door, Jesus is the gate. We, the church, also are the gate of heaven. Bethel, the house of God, is the gate of heaven. So when the scripture says, lift up your head, O you gates, it's a reference to you, the church. Psalm 87, it says he loves the gates of Zion more than the dwellings of Jacob. Zion is the church. So gates definitely refer to us. It refers to the Lord. He is the gate. He is the door of the sheep. If any man enter by him, he will find life. We too are the gates. Simple principle is this. Whatever is true of him is true of us. Right? His character becomes ours. His disposition becomes, becomes ours. And so everything about me becomes an access point. If I am the gate, if I am the door, everything about me becomes a portal. Right? As he is, so are we in this, in this world. And he represents entry and access points into certain kingdom realities. So do I. I am the gateway for men to engage that they might come into the kingdom. They come in through him, through accepting him, yes. But I am his representation. I am the door by which men will come in and find life. So tell your neighbor you are the door. Now I'm going to speak to you very generally from various points of scripture about God's desire to open various doors for you. You must become the embodiment of all of these things because you are a representation of the door principle. Amen. God wants to open significant doors to us. And I really believe that this again is a prophetic word for our house. It's not a teaching per se, but I really believe open your spirits. And please, I want no, dis- uh, don't, no distraction from you in terms of your, your ability to access this word. Okay. Whatever you've experienced this week, right? Allow your spirit man to predominate, to receive the word of the Lord. Hear spiritual words uh, from the vantage point of your spirit and receive the word of God which is able to save your soul. Amen? Able to save your soul. Now, let's, let's go on. I'm going to use the slides to, to help 
you know the significance of doors. We've labored this point in our previous series. You can put this entire slide up. Uh, the scriptures use doors and gates interchangeably, we said, and they are access points and points of departure, exit and entry, coming in and going out, right? Through doors or gates. And we said that legal business was often concluded or settled at the gates, especially on, on issues relative to civil affairs of the city. So uh, city life was decided at the gate. Decisions were made at the gates by influential people, people in government, people in business. Culture of the, of the city life was determined at the gates. The gates is a place of strategic decision-making. It's a place of great authority. right? It's, it's a place where whatever is ratified at the gate predominates for the entirety of the, of the city. It's a very powerful governmental place. Everyone say gates and doors. God's going to open these up to you. Right? I'm speaking to you about God opening up doors to you. And I really believe, please hear with your spirit, prophetically God's going to lead many of you into positions of greater influence, into positions of greater decision-making. Receive this as a prophetic word. Some of you are going to have promotions in your workplace where your, the sphere and the scope of your decision-making right now is, is, is so big. But God says, lift up your eyes because I will lift you up so that you can make decisions that will impact a far bigger group. Right? So I want to encourage you, uh, lift up your heads, O oh, you gates. Because God's about to open certain doors and gates of influence for you. Amen? Receive this as the word from the Lord. This could be governmentally, it could be legally, it could be in business, it could be in commerce, whatever it is. God's going to lift you up to this place where the decision that you make in your gate, in your private world, will have a bearing upon a larger sphere outside of yourself. Right? So it's, it's going to, as what's ever decided in the gate affects the whole city, whatever decisions you make affect a large sphere. Right? You're going to be an influencer. Amen? Everyone say influencer. I'm not sure if there's, if there's even a word like that. You're going to have the capacity to determine the policy and the culture of a large group of people. Amen? We also said uh, gates imply authority and power, as we've said, and there are implications of access and appropriation. Access and appropriation. Amen? Now, the first door I want to speak to you about is something we've spoken, so I don't want, I don't want to go too much on this particular point because we had it in the previous season session in Hosea 2 verse 14 to 16 it says therefore behold I will allure her I will bring her into the into the wilderness and speak comfort to her now you must be able to cross reference as a good Bible student so the moment I read that for example God is saying to Israel I will everyone say God does so God does God brings her into the wilderness. Many people don't like the wilderness. So you cross-reference this with Luke chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. It says, Jesus was led by the Spirit where? Into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Your wilderness is always a place of testing, of refinement. And sometimes God leads you there to, to test faith, to test sonship, 
to test your claim, right? Because you can claim certain realities, but they need to be validated in the wilderness, right? And so I want to encourage you, never ever despise your wilderness. Recognize the season, that this is the leading, the doing, perhaps the permittance of the Lord, because in this context, certain things will come to the fore that will never ever come to the fore outside of this context. The wilderness has a way of bringing certain things out. Right? That's what the Bible says, the testing of your faith, the trying of your faith, being much more precious than gold and silver. When it is tried, will be found to the praise and the glory and honor of his, of his name. Now, faith, for example, you can claim it, but you only know it when it's tested. You can say, I have X amount of faith. That's your verbal proclamation. But in the heat of a trial is when you only know what kind of faith you have. So the wilderness has a way of unlocking what's within. It has a way of exposing what's within. And I want to encourage you that sometimes the Lord allures you there to bring view to you of what you have truly attained. And nobody likes the wilderness. I don't like the wilderness. Who likes the wilderness? Right? And it's there where the enemy still is allowed to test you. If you are the son, do this. If you are the son, Chip is challenged. If you are the son, like he challenged Jesus in three respects. Amen? But here's the promise. God says, I will give you a vineyard in the wilderness. Right? God the Lord says, I will give her what? Vineyards from there. And the valley of Achor. We know that Achor means pain, trouble. So Achor means pain and trouble. So from the depression of pain and trouble, God says, I'm going to open up a door of hope, right? And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. That's why I say God's going to cause such rejoicing um, by virtue of what he's going to do. Your wilderness is not a permanent experience. Jesus was only there for 40 days. Before three and a half years successful ministry. The wilderness is always short-lived based upon your responses in it. Right? Uh, you can determine the length of your wilderness. So I want to encourage you, uh, lift up your head in your wilderness, know the season you are in, and start right now to access the possibilities attendant with it. Do not see it as a wilderness, see it as what it's going to be. It's going to be a door of, of hope. And I spoke extensively about hope. I don't want to go there now. But it's a, a mental attitude of a positive outcome for the future. You don't wake up pessimistic. You wake up optimistic. Your head is lifted up. I am of the view that things will turn out good for me. I am of the view. I'm of the mindset that things, are gonna, that things will, will, will work out far better than what they are presently. I'm not of the view that it's all downhill from now on. I'm of the view that things are going to improve and that things are going to get better and better. The Bible says he's able to do exceedingly above all I ask or think. So how I think is very important to God because he can only work in accordance to the content of my thoughts. right? So he's able to do far more exceedingly abundantly above all I ask or think. As a man thinks in his heart, so, so is he. So I want to encourage you. 
uh, factor out the pessimism of your mind and fill the mind with hope. Put the helmet of salvation as a hope, it says. Right? Tell you about hope. Hope is a very important biblical concept. Very, very important. When you are hopeless, you are in despair. Right? But the, the person that's filled with hope is anticipating a positive outcome. Amen? So I want to encourage you. Now faith is the substance hoped for. When you have faith, you also have hope. Amen? When you have faith, you also have hope. Our hope is rooted in our faith. The world has a, a, a optimism, a hope that is not rooted in biblical faith. Right? People like positive thinkers and the New Age people, they all teach the same thing. You must be confident. You must be positive that things will turn out good. You know, look, your future is bright. It's so bright you need shades. You know, you hear all of these phrases. It's all like in motivational positivism. And that's fine. But when you come this side in the kingdom, we also have that. But now faith is the substance hope for. Our hope is rooted in what? In our faith. And how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. So ultimately, our hope, David said, I hope in your word. Read Psalm 119. I hope in your word. The foundation for everything that you're going to think about positively has got to vest in the word of the Lord. Unchanging, enduring, infallible. The word of God will never fail you. It's something certain that you can anchor your hope in. And some of you are at the end of what you think is your hope. And all you have is a word. I will encourage you, hold on to that word. All you have is a promise. All you have is a prophecy. In other words, everything in your world is going against what he said. If I want to encourage you, hold on to what he said. Right? Hold on to what he said. If your commandments, David said, had not been my meditation, I would surely have perished in my affliction. And in the moment of your affliction, what you must hold on to with all your might is the word of the Lord. Tell your neighbor, hope in his word. Now, your, your vineyard, everyone say vineyard. What's a vineyard? Grapes, not so. What do you get from grapes? Wine. What does wine do? Makes you merry. Okay. Makes you happy. Right? The Bible says, wine maketh the man's heart merry in the book of Proverbs. And so it's an image of from the wilderness, God is going to cause such joy, you're going to start to sing again. Where is it? You shall sing just like the singing that was characteristic of the Exodus when they came out across the Red Sea and they sang. Such joy over God breaking 430 years of Egyptian slavery. Now, wouldn't you sing if God broke 430 years of slavery in your family? God is saying, now this is, not, this is not Exodus. This is the book of Hosea. The prophet's prophesying, he says, what God's going to do will, will, will have the effect of causing such joy. It's going to rival Israel's singing when they cross the Red Sea. Much more than that. Tell your neighbor, get ready to sing like you've never sang before. I can't wait. Usually when God does something powerful for me, I go literally beside myself in a good sense. I make my way to the piano in my lounge and I start banging away. My neighbor knows something's happening there in the Barnwell's house, right? Make his praise glorious. Amen. Make his praise glorious. So tell your neighbor, there is a door of hope for you. 
Ryan, there will be a door of hope. God's going to restore everything, even in your work. A door of hope for you. Don't lose your hope. You know, it's, it, to wake up hopeless, it's faithless. Don't lose your hope. Tell your neighbor, do not lose your hope. Hope, hope. Let's go on. Now, who would like this? A door of supernatural provision. <laughs> supernatural provision. Psalm 78 verse 22 to 24 says, And anger also came up against Israel because they did not believe in God, nor did they trust in His salvation. Yet He commanded the clouds above, and He opened the doors of heaven had rained down manna on them to eat and give them the bread of heaven. Now I love this because it says he opened the door. He opened the doors of heaven. And remember what heaven represents. Heaven represents the resource, the store, the treasure chest of God. Every provision he has for us is locked in the, the heavens. That is why we pray thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven if you bind anything on earth as it were bound in the heavens it will be done if you lose anything on earth as it were loosed in the heavens it shall be done for you right and so everything heavenly must manifest on the on the earth and god is saying i'm going to open up it says the doors of the of the heavens say the doors not one door. Remember the, prof the prophecy to those who tithe in Malachi 3? Um, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. It says, I will open you what? Windows. Not one window. Plural. The windows of heaven. And pour you out a blessing so that you will not be able to, con to contain it. So I love the, the, the plural form here. Doors. Everyone say doors. And you know, in the context here, Israel, God gave them manna. Not so. God says, I gave you manna. I opened up the doors of heaven. I rained down manna on them to eat. And I gave them what? I gave them the bread of, of heaven. There's two images here, rain and bread. And yes, it is provision. I want to speak twofold. God's going to provide for you. Supernaturally. God will, God will provide for you. But the greater application here is that both rain and bread speak of doctrine. Right? Remember Deuteronomy 32, the rain speaks of teaching. Let my teaching fall like doctrine or my teaching fall like rain. And the bread speaks of the word as well. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. And so I want to prophetically declare over us god's going to provide for you twofold naturally and spiritually you will never lack anything and you'll never ever lack the word of the lord amen the word of the lord will not be absent in your experience remember the book of amos it says behold i will send a famine not of bread or of water but i will send a famine of what of not the word Bible doesn't say that it says a famine of hearing the word the word is not the famine the famine is the ability to 
Yeah, so there'll always be word, but the famine that God says, I'm going to send a famine of the inability to hear. Right? But I'm, I want to declare over us that we must never ever get to the place where we cannot access God's word. Where our ears have been deaf. You see, God's always speaking, but the problem is that men are not always listening. Always keep your ears open. Amen? And so I really want to encourage you, both physical resource and spiritual resource will not leave your home. Declare that with me. Say after me, both spiritual resource and physical resource will not leave my home. And I want to affirm these things in your spirit. You're going to have in your home a bountiful supply, but you will also have in your home a bountiful supply of word, of the resource of, and the resource of heaven. That is what I mean by, by supernatural provision. Now, the next one, say a wide door. Now, everyone do this. Say double doors. Right? Wide door means double doors in my mind, right? Now, a great or a wide door for effective service. Now, watch this in the scriptures. It says, verse 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 5. I will come to you after I go through Macedonia, for I am going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter there so that you may send me on my way wherever I may go. For I do not wish to see you now just in passing. Please follow with me. So, I don't want to see you just in passing, for I hope to remain with you for some time, if the Lord permits. Right? Now watch this. Let's go back. Watch this. He's saying, what is Paul saying? After I go through Macedonia, I want to come and stay with you and spend the winter there. Right? Then you might send me on my way from that point on, wherever I go. And he says, I don't want to just see you just in passing but I hope to remain with you for some time if the Lord permits. Paul is speaking as an apostle and expressing a desire to spend some time with him. But this is what he says. But, next verse. But I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost. Why am I going to remain in Ephesus? Although I want to come and abide with you. He says because a wide door for effective service has just opened for me. Ba uh, the King James says, but, this version says, and, but, or, and, there are many adversaries, many enemies. enemies. So Paul is saying, I'm going to stay in Ephesus to take advantage of such a great opportunity that God has just supernaturally opened for me here in this city. But simultaneously, he also says, there are many people against me. Right? There are many people wanting me to fail. Now, I want to prophesy over this house that God is going to open unto us a wide door. King James says, a great door for effective service. This is not just a door. This is a wide door. And I want to encourage you Listen out carefully. I know this has happened to Carol recently in Toti. That's a wide door for effective service. 
God has given to her to steward. And every Tuesday, for two hours, the people in Toti, I'm hearing, are waiting every single week patiently for a word from the Lord. That's a, that's a wide door for effective service. Amen. But I want to encourage you in your own private world. God's going to open up opportunities for you to declare the word of the Lord. God's going to open up avenues for you to declare God's truth. And it's going to be a door for effective service. In your workplace, some of you need to trust God for an opening, a platform, a forum, a regular uh, uh, um, uh, meeting where you could meet with your, with your colleagues. Uh, Matthew just had a meeting with Graham now in the week. They're starting something on the university campus with regularity there. We need to create opportunities for, platforms for, for ministry. And I want to encourage you, look out for them. Because these doors are going to help you prioritize things. So while Paul is wanting to go to these people and spend time with them, he realizes the priority. I need to abide here a little bit more in Ephesus to take advantage of this door of opportunity to minister. Amen? So I want to encourage you, a big door is going to open. I don't know what this means for me. I'm saying to myself, Randolph, a big door will open for you. A wide door for effective service in some respect. You will reach more people far more quicker. Amen? And this is, this is for every single one of us as well. The next one is a door of faith. And this relates to, yes, not so much faith per se, but people entering the kingdom. Look at the context. This is when Paul and Barnabas, after their first journey, they went out preaching and they came all the way back to Antioch to give a report of how the Lord dealt with them in their journeys. Paul says this, When they had come, this is Paul and Barnabas, and they gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened a door of faith to who? To the Gentiles. The Gentiles here are the nations. Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles. Peter, an apostle to the Jews, says that. Right? So Paul's apostleship was specifically to non-Jews. And when he and Barnabas journeyed their first missionary journey, that huge, huge success. They, were, they, they left from Antioch. Remember Antioch 13 verse 1? 1 and 2, they left. Now by the end of chapter 14, verse 27, they come all the way back after ministering with great success and they report to the elders gathered that how God opened up a great door of faith to the, to the Gentiles. And I want to encourage you to trust God for people that you thought will never ever receive the Lord. They're going to start receiving the Lord. People you thought were hard and incalcitrant, in those were stubborn and rejecting of the gospel of the kingdom. They're going to have a turn of heart. But God's going to open up a door of faith. I, I bet you when we put that, that, that message up, the title, Open Doors, you immediately thinking cars, houses. Wow, what's it in for me? Breakthrough, hallelujah. But these are different doors. Yes, that's all part of it, all part of the package. But I'm telling you, you seek the kingdom first. And all these things will be added unto you. When last did you minister the gospel to someone? When was the last time you told someone about the Lord? 
When was the last time you shared your faith with somebody? So I want to encourage you. God will open people's hearts. Paul was amazed. Do you remember when they went down to Antioch? And Barnabas went down there first? I think in Acts 11, when the church at Antioch was first founded. You know what the Bible says? When Barnabas came down there and he saw... You must know Antioch initially wasn't on the agenda of the apostles to go. Why did the church start in Antioch? It says because persecution broke out. And some Christians, to escape the persecution, left Jerusalem and they went down to to Antioch. And there, what did they do? They testified of the Lord, it says. And many many people believed. So much so that a whole church... A church movement started to spring up. The apostles are all sitting in Jerusalem and they're hearing the news. So to inspect, they send Barnabas. And the Bible says when Barnabas came to Antioch, the Bible says this, and he saw the grace of God. He saw the grace of God in action. The Bible says in Romans, where sin increases, grace much more abounds. And I want to challenge you. There are some people that you've written off that will never get saved, will never turn. I want to remind you of the scriptures. Where sin abounds, there doth grace much more abounds. Don't write off anyone. Some people are going to come into the kingdom and you're going to be astounded. You say, oh, you here too. Yes, you here, I'm here. God opened a door, a door of faith, a door for me to enter the faith, a door for me to enter the the kingdom. I'm expecting a great harvest of souls. I'm telling you, evangelism is going to come back in a huge way. We're going to start to minister in a, with different authority the gospel of the kingdom. Amen? And I want to encourage you um, to position yourself as a door. People see you, they see an access point to the kingdom. One of these days, you will come to us and testify. See how God opened up a door of faith for the people in Durban North. See how God opened up a door of faith for the people in Wentworth. See how God opened up a door of faith for the people in the Mams and Toti. See how God opened up a door of faith for the people in Pinetown. Hmm? See how God opened up a door of faith for the group in Westville. See how God opened up a door of faith for the people here in Durban Central. Doors of faith are going to open up. Because it's not God's will that anyone should perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. Sometimes we get so apostolic, we forget these, these basic things. We get so mature, we forget that we have to still minister the gospel to those that are perishing. Right? It is not God's will that any should perish. The Bible says, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. So I want to encourage you. Have a desire for the lost. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Father, give us a passion for those that don't know you. For those that are not privy to what the things we see and the things we hear. I ask, our oh God, burden us with a new desire to win the lost at any cost. To present the gospel of the kingdom in a new way with new power and with new authority. Give me a desire for soul. Your word declares he will win souls. He's a wise man. So Father, we ask in Jesus' name that this mandate will grow and accentuate within our ministry in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So tell your neighbor, door of faith. Let's go on.
taught to preach. It says in, in 2 Corinthians 2.12, When I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, and when a door was opened for me in the, in the Lord. Now Paul is speaking. Now he says, why was he at Troas? He was there for the, for the gospel of Christ. And he says, a door was opened for me in the Lord. I want to encourage you, because this house is a teaching, preaching house. We are word-centric house. We are word-based house. And I want to encourage you to be prepared to declare God's word in a new way. Desire to become a preacher of God's word. Let that be an object and an, an, an ambition of yours. Say, God, I want to get to know your word so that I can proclaim it and teach it to, to others. Because there will be doors open for you where the Lord is going to require you to declare his word. And do you recall Ezra 7 verse 10? It says, And Ezra prepared his heart to, to study the law, to do it, or to practice it, and to teach it. Three things. Ezra 7.10. Study, do, teach. That's the order. You study, you do, and then you teach. So let's say God says, I want to call my son to teach. Two processes should have already taken place. What are they? I should have studied by that time. That thing should have been operative in my life. Then I am qualified to teach it with power and authority. Right? So when I say a door is going to open for many of us to preach, I want to remind you of Ezra 7.10. I will encourage you, you should be in a time of thorough preparation right now. Studying the word of the Lord. Internalizing the principles. Activating them in your life. Because sometimes a call will be made for you to preach. And you're going to have to be prepared instant, in season, and, and out of season. You're going to have to be able to preach at short notice. I, I should be able to phone you at, at uh, 6 o'clock the Sunday morning. Right? <laughs> and say, Bulalani, sorry man, I got laryngitis. You're going to have to take the service today. Bulalani said, no problem, I was waiting. For this call, right? Preparedness. Because you never know when the hour, when that door will open for you to declare God's word. I want to encourage you while we're on this point. I share with you many resources via email and even hard copies. I want to encourage you to have a filing system digitally on your computer and also maybe in your hard copies. If I ask you, uh, listen, if I say to any one of you, please, the voice within the voice, that session we taught, can have a copy. You should be should be on your system somewhere. Right? You never know when God will want to use you to minister that content. So have a personal library. It's your arsenal. It's your weaponry. Right? I want to encourage you to be diligent about that, so that whenever the Lord deems it, He might use you for that purpose. So tell your neighbor, preach. Tell them like you like you're a preacher. Preach, preach. Amen. It's gone. A door of utterance, very similar to, to this. Colossians 4 verse 2 to 4 says, Devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert in it with the attitude of thanksgiving. Praying the same time for us as well, 
that the Lord will open up to us a door for the what? A door for the word. Can you see most of the references to open doors? Of open doors for the word to be declared. Not so? Open avenues, open access points for God to declare his word. And Paul said, so that I might speak for what? The mystery of Christ, for which I'm also been in prison, that I might make it clear in the way that I ought to speak. Paul actually here requests prayer. He says, pray for me, that I might declare that God will open up a door for the word, and so that I might speak about the mystery of Christ. And he says, so that I might speak in the way that I, I ought to speak. And Paul, as gifted and as graced as he was, requested prayer for this purpose. And I want to encourage you, pray for us consistently. Wherever we go in the world, pray for us. We're going next week to Mozambique. Pray for us. This is a good content in terms of your prayer for every time we visit the nations. Pray for us that God will open up a door for the, for the word. He has already have in this nation. This is our fourth visit there now. He's already opened up. A, we, have a, we have a waiting audience. We have a waiting, receptive group of 120 pastors that are waiting for us to, to come. So God has opened up, in essence, a wide and, and effective door for what? For the word to go forth. And so you must pray for us that we might speak the mystery of Christ as we ought to speak. It's not just the fact that opportunity has presented itself, but that when we go through, to these doors that we speak in the manner that we we ought to speak. So I want to encourage you. Uh, God's going to bring into your view, into your world, an open door for you to utter the word of the Lord and declare the mystery of Christ in a new way. And I want to encourage you, be vigilant, be discerning, wait for it and look for it. All, the, all of my international visits, not one of them I have solicited, didn't plan, didn't plot, didn't scheme to go to certain nations. Every single invitation came sovereignly, supernaturally to my desk. Right? What is that doing? God is saying, I, uh, you've prepared so well, I will position you now and open up a door for you to declare the word. You can't declare without preparation. And I want to encourage you, prepare, 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 so that in the hour the Lord desires to use you, you are ready. You know what the Bible says about Ezra? Where it says, Ezra 7.10, he prepared his heart to study, to do, and to teach. In another verse, in the previous chapter, it says, And Ezra was a ready scribe, prepared. Do you know in Nehemiah 8, what did Nehemiah ask Ezra to do? Nehemiah called the whole nation. Who stood on the podium and for a quarter of the day, six hours, read the Old Testament, the book of the law of Moses, and read and gave explanation to a whole nation. Ezra, the Bible says, they made a wooden podium for him, and they put it, and he stood above them, together with 13 other scribes, but him being the chief scribe, and the Bible says, and he read the book. Right? Could Nehemiah, who was an apostle, how could Nehemiah says, Ezra, you come and you do this? Why? And Ezra prepared his heart to study, to do, and to teach. And when a moment and opportunity came, the Bible says, and Ezra was a prepared or a ready scribe. Hmm? I told you about our last visit in Tanzania. 
I was about to teach my last session, it was about the fifth day, and I was literally going up to the podium, and Papa Carl whispered, said, Randolph, Randolph, please, please just say something about the 42nd generation, um, because I think these pastors need to know about that. And you must know, you can't say, okay, Papa, I heard you. Guys, can we take like a two-day break? I need to study this concept. We can carry on, right? As I walked up, I began to rehearse this teaching that Tamo did in my mind on the 42nd generation. Right? And I spoke for the, for the next half an hour on it. I'm not blowing my own trumpet. I'm trying to illustrate a point. That you must be so well-versed in the Word. I'm not saying we're not all there yet. But at least do everything within your power to study as much as possible. Because you never ever know when the Lord's going to require you to speak on various themes or topics or, or issues. Amen? So, a door of utterance for the, for the word. Amen? Let's go on. Now, tell your neighbor, find your brother. <laughs> I just put this, these two characters there. The door's opening, but he doesn't go through it himself. He looks for his brother first to go through it with him. Right? The same passage we read earlier, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 12 and 13. Now when I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, and when a door was opened for me in the, in the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, not finding Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went to Massa, I went to Macedonia. It's strange this, eh? The doors open in Troas. Paul leaves it and he goes to Macedonia. And the reasons, he says, I had, he had no rest in his spirit for not finding Titus, his brother. Right? Paul's desire was that he goes through the door at Troas with Titus. The door of opportunity presented to him, he wanted to take his brother through too. Some doors for you are not meant for you to walk alone through. Some doors God opens for you so you can take your brother with you. Right? You can't think selfishly. You can't think individualistically. You've got to think corporately. Say, Lord, you're opening certain doors for me. And just be sensitive to the Lord. Sometimes the Lord will want you to take your brother through the door that the Lord opens for, for you. Amen. There's something that should cause you unrest. The only thing that should cause you unrest in your spirit is the inability to find a brother. I'm not talking about practically. I'm talking figuratively. When you can't locate him relationally, it should cause you great unrest. Right? And uh, this was Paul's experience. So find your brother. Next door. Now this door, I want to focus on the next one. You see this prison? Many people feel like they are encased. Many people feel like they are in, imprisoned. And... Uh, Remember, one of the principles we dealt with with lift up your head was that the lifting up of the head also figuratively indicated God's going to lead you out of prison, break limitation, break encasement. Remember King Jehoiakim was released out of prison after the 37th year in Babylonian captivity? Remember that? And he, God changed his, the king of Babylon took his prison clothes off and gave him kingly garb. He sat at the king's table. He ate the king's diet, he received a specific allowance all the days of his life. Right? So I want to encourage you with this. God's going to open up your prison doors. This is one door we all need opened. 
Because we all experience some form of limitation, some form of restriction, some form of confinement. In Acts 16, you know the story. Paul and Silas were in, in prison. Not so? Paul and Silas were in prison. And in verse 25 it says, But at midnight Paul and Silas, while praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, suddenly there was a great earthquake. Everyone say earthquake. Many of us know the story, but sometimes we don't know the details. And it's important for you to know the details of the situation. Notice what it says. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations, say foundations, foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Everyone's chains were loosed. God opens the prison doors for Paul and Silas. We only use the scripture to declare the power of praise. That when you praise God, God will open doors. Not so, you've heard this before. Right? That is true and that is powerful. But do you know what? Paul and Silas, I don't think were wanting that. A breakthrough of that proportion. I think it just happened as a, as a, as a matter of fact of God's sovereign will. Paul and Silas lived in the culture, we will resign ourselves to any consequence for the gospel's sake. If we must be imprisoned, so let it be. If we must die, so let it be. Paul later in his own words says, I don't count my life dear unto myself. He said in every city, chains and imprisonments and bonds await me. So he was comfortable with the idea of suffering. If any apostle suffered greatly for the Lord's sake, it was this apostle. Paul. So he was just expressing an accurate disposition in a confining space. He just said, Silas, remember Silas was his son in the Lord, right? Silas, let's just worship the Lord now. Right? Whatever outcome the Lord allows, let's just magnify him. And the Bible says they begin to sing hymns. And yes, the prison doors swung open but why did the prison door swung, uh, uh, were, were swung open god caused them earthquake now do you think god is like over dramatic yeah? couldn't if you were god say lord this is a bit dramatic yeah? not you overdoing it a bit yeah you can just gently go to the prison doors unlock it open get the guys out why must you cause an earthquake rattle and shake the whole building and not only them everybody's released and this is Philippian jailer, terrified, and he says, he's running to kill himself. Paul says, no, hold it. He says, what must I do to be saved? Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved and your household. That's all. Right? Do you think God like overdramatic with what he did? Right? No, he's not going over the top. The Lord, the Bible says, caused an earthquake to shake the foundations of the prison. In other words, the prison that held you God's not op- God is not just opening the doors. God is destroying the prison. Right? God is shaking the structure that, that limited you. He's not just opening the door. He's breaking the very institution. Right? Because some of us, if God opens the door, next week some of us can go back there and lock ourselves up again. Right? I want to encourage you, the, the prison speaks of a mentality, it speaks of a mindset that must be unearthed, that must be shaken by its roots. Right? 
and, and some forms of bondages have been too perpetual for far too long. God needs to shake the thing that binds you by its very foundation. God needs to not just, your prayer should be, Lord, don't just deliver me. Break this principle once and for all. In my life, in my family's life. Um, unearth it. Cause an earthquake. Be it addiction, be it uh, financial lack, be it uh, chronic illness, be it bitterness, whatever it is, I'm saying the Lord must literally shake the foundations of any dynamic, any principle that limits us and seeks to restrict us. Not so? That limits us and seeks to restrict us. And do you know, listen carefully, this is what the Lord ministered to me. It was very consoling. Do you think Paul, or rather, let me ask you this. Was the Philippian jailer saved? Yes, and he was baptized and everything. He and his whole household. Was there a positive outcome? Yes. Do you think the jailer next door to Paul in his cell, how, how is he? Is he happy or sad? Why is he happy? The, the Bible says all the prison doors open. So all, every prisoner is walking the streets. That's why this head, the Philippian jailer, he's, he knows he's in serious trouble with the authorities because he's accountable. They're going to say, listen, give an account of what happened here. Right? He can't say God did. They don't believe in God. Right? He, he knows his life is on the line. That's why he was in fear. He was running and Paul said, listen, wait. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. God will sometimes allow you to experience imprisonment just so to release other people. That's a hard pill to swallow. I'm going to say it again. Grab this into your spirit. God will sometimes allow you to be imprisoned just so that in releasing you, He releases others. So in the time of your confinement, don't think it private and personal. Understand that in the time of my exit, I'm going to come out not alone, but I'm going to come out bringing, oh, bringing deliverance to a whole group of people. Right? Your release, your opening of your prison doors is not going to be private and personal. Maybe your, your locking up was private and personal, but your release is going to bring blessing to a whole lot of people. You know what Joseph said to his brothers? You sold me, but God sent me. Man selling is God's sending. You sold me, but God sent me to save a whole lot of people alive. So everything that was happening in Joseph's private life was in order to save a whole corporate nation. Now think about this. Okay? Think about this. That's why Paul says, I will endure imprisonments. Right? Paul said this in the book of 2 Timothy. He said, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. So when Paul endures things, who is he thinking of? God's sons. He says, I will endure everything because he's of the mindset, whatever happens to me, privately and personally, is going to bring corporate benefit to everyone in my world. Hmm? If I was the other prisoner in cell D, down the corridor, I would have ran to Paul. And I said, Bro, thank you that they locked you up. Because you were locked up, and God released you. Now, check me, I'm also free. I hope he was locked up innocently. Right? Some people are waiting for your deliverance. For in you being delivered, 
It's going to be a testimony to how God can deliver them. So don't despise your imprisonment. Tell your neighbor, shake the foundations. God's going to shake foundations. The structure, the very thing that, that grips you in its, in its vortex, in, its, in the wake of its hand. Let's go on. Now, quickly. Everyone say a prophetic door. Revelation 4.1 says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing in heaven, and the first voice which I heard, like the sound of the trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. I'll put this little picture. God said to John, If you want to see things to come, you need to come up. You need to ascend. The Lord says, a door standing open where? In the heaven. So to have an open door, you must have an open heaven. An open heaven is good. But once you have an open heaven, in the heavens there are doors to be opened. Right? There was an open heaven, open door in the heavens. Right? And heaven is like a vast vault. Many roomed. Many, many areas for conquest. Tamo speaks of layers of the heavens. Many heavens. And I want to encourage you, the Lord is saying to us, He's going to enhance our prophetic sight. Because God said to John, if you come through this door, what will I, I will? You're going to start to see certain things, understand certain things that you never ever before previously under, understood. Right? So I want to encourage you, be prepared for this door. Who desires this door? Say, Lord, I want to, I want to know certain things of your purposes, attendance with your will and in my life. Open up a door in the heaven for me that I might perceive and know things far more clearer than what I presently do. Amen? Immediately I was in the spirit and behold, the throne in heaven, one sitting on the throne. It's gone. Now, okay, let's go to the next one. I put this one deliberately. You see, you can strive in the flesh to open certain doors or you can allow the Lord to open it for you. What I'm not suggesting is that you strive in the flesh to get these things. All you must do is live a life of obedience. And the Lord will do these things supernaturally for you. This is not something you strive to do in your own carnal sweat. Your own perspiration as it were. You just allow God to be the door opener. Now if you go back to the previous slide. Revelation 3, 7 says this. This is to the church at Philadelphia. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, what does Philadelphia mean again? Brotherly love. So it's to a church where relationships, like Ngama spoke, where love thrives and the people are relating cordially together. Um, he who is holy, who is true, and who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one will, will open. I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door. No one can shut because you have little power, but you have kept my word. Tell your neighbor, just keep the word. Just keep the word. Come on, tell somebody, just keep the word. Know what God says to this congregation. God's saying to them, I know you're weak. You have little power, but the one thing you do, Philadelphians, you keep my word. In all of your trials, in all of your difficulty, you're holding on to my word. Now you must remember... How many churches in the book of Revelation? Seven. And God comes to each church in a different way. 
to this church, he says, I come holding the key of David. If I open, no man will shut. If I close, no man will, will, will open. And I really believe God's going to supernaturally open some avenues for you. You see, if God opens a door for you, no human agency will be able to close it. No demon will be able to prohibit what God is going to do. Amen? When it's your time, it's your time. When it's your season, it's your season. You will be unstoppable with the kind of favor that the Lord's going to bestow upon you. But what you must do is just hold on to this. You have kept my word and you've not denied my name, my nature. Name is nature, character. You have not denied my person. You've held on to your representation of Christ's likeness and you've held on to my word. And the Lord says, I have set. Everyone says set. Didomai in the Greek, it means I've established, I have set purposefully before you an open door and no man is going to able to, to shut it. By the way, don't pursue an open door where God has not opened it. Because yeah, he also says, there are certain doors I'm going to close. Because God, God has you as his best interests are with, with you. So um, be happy with the closed door. Be happy with the open door. Why? There are certain doors God knows best for you. You see, God can see two, three months down the line. So God says, I will shut this door because I have your best interests at heart. And sometimes you can't see where the Lord sees. And that is why everyone say the sovereignty of God. If there's something we must understand in this season, it's the fact that God is sovereign. Say it again, sovereign God. You know the word sovereign means in basic English, in like layman's terms. I won't give you the Oxford Dictionary definition. Sovereign simply means, if you say God is sovereign, it means I do what I want to, when I want to, without asking anybody's permission and without giving anybody an explanation. You don't, even to, you don't even have to understand why I am doing this. I am sovereign. I do what I want to, when I want to, with whom I want to. I'm God. No one can challenge me. When God says to you, I shut your door, what you must say, yes. I can't understand it. I can't explain it. It's actually highly disappointing to me. But thank you. Because you know, you, I know that you have my best interests at heart. Let me just say this. You must just be ecstatic about the closed door as you are about the open door. <laughs> because the, the Lord is doing the opening and the shutting. Hey? It's the same Lord. Yes, using people, events, and circumstances. But it's the same Lord permitting these things. How many relationships that God shut off from you, which initially you were disappointed about, but when you look back, you say, Oh God, thank you. That you kept me. Thank you that you closed the door. How many friendships? Hmm? How many business opportunities? If you went there, you would have made shipwreck. And at the time when the door was closed, you said, Lord, this is disappointing. But with hindsight, you say, God, thank you. Hey? So tell you never thank God for God's closed doors. <laughs> you see, God will open, but God will close. I want, I want to stress, all you must do is simply hold on to His word. If I can stress something this morning, simply hold on to his word. You know, I'm holding on to his word in so many respects. So many respects. I'm saying, God, it's not what I would like in terms of what I see. But I'm holding on to what you've said. You're not a man that you should. You should lie. Let's go on quickly. Okay, so don't strive. Knock. Say your neighbor, knock. 
You must just knock on heaven's door. Look at the verse. Not so? Open up. Tell your neighbor, open up. Okay? Matthew 7, 7. Ask, it will be given. Seek, you will find. Knock, and it will be opened up. Everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. I felt the, the Lord say to me, Randolph, it's now time to knock. Go beyond asking. Go beyond seeking. Knock. And you know this word in the, in the Greek? It's open up. Tell your neighbor, open up. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, open up, open up, open up. <laughs> if you want to seek it, it's fine. Right? What I want to encourage you is, in your disposition, in your heart, adopt a, a serious mode. All of you, please listen to me. Adopt a serious mode about reaching for the things you know God has opened for you. It's now time to knock. It's now time to be absolutely focused, absolutely serious about the things um, that you want. I went to a meeting on Thursday evening. I didn't want to go. But I knew I had to be there. I went with a severe headache. I came back with a throbbing headache. I wasn't sure that I would make it home. I was driving on the N2. My head was busting literally you know you get one of those headaches where you just want to bed and just lying just one of those and i realized and the lord said to me um but you were focused you knew you had to pursue a thing right i want to encourage you don't let anything don't let anything not fatigue not a lack of finances not a busy schedule don't let anything prevent you from pursuing the things that you know you should be pursuing in the lord right According to your desire, so be it unto you. If you want to change the quality of your life and you're doing nothing more to change it but keeping the status quo, don't expect any significant change. As you, as you sow, so shall you. So shall you reap. Okay? So I want to encourage you. For example, if you want friends, what does, what does the book of Proverbs say? Be friendly. He, he who wants a friend must show himself friendly. What you sow, you will definitely reap things will come back to you amen as so i want to encourage you it's time to knock i want to encourage you in your prayer posture knock there's certain doors that god wants to open to you adopt a more earnest posture in your in your prayer now just please one more time i put these doors up i want us to i want us to pray about to pray about these issues this is my last slide as we close the Lord spoke to me that certain doors regarding our home life, certain um, blessings are now to express this change, if you would, on the home front needs to take place. God's going to open doors for that. For some of you in your workplace, in terms of your career path, God's going to open up supernatural doors for you. This is going to happen sovereignly by Him. But the Lord says, I need you to adopt a knocking posture. Um, for some of you, God's going to give you creative ideas. A door's going to open to a creative idea that you've not yet seen before. It's going to be an ingenious, it's going to be a moment of brilliance. It's going to be a light bulb moment where you will have a business idea that the Lord is going to bless profusely. An open door. I really want to encourage you with this. And then, very early this morning... Um, I was praying in, the, in my office and the Lord, I saw like a domino effect and I searched the net to try and find a representation of this. And I found this nice picture. 
You see, one door leads to multiple other doors opening. This one opens that one. You can't expect that door right at the end of the corridor there to open if this door doesn't open. It's like one, the Lord is saying, you see, I need you to enter a new realm. I need you to go into, because there are, there are things further down the line for you that you will never ever get until you access this first door that is almost catalytic, It'll catalyze, activate, almost like a domino effect, the opening of other doors further and further down the line. This is the image I saw in my mind. I was so glad when I, I saw the picture. Oh, this is, captures it quite, quite nicely. So for some of you right now, you've been, doors have been closing in your face, left, right, and center up to this point. But hear the word of the Lord. The Lord says, you have been faithful. You've held on to my word. You've not denied my name. Now I have set before you an open door. And no man will be able to, to shut. Do you know? Let's just read, can we read one more verse before we go. Right? Go to Acts 12. I don't have it in the slide. Go to Acts 12. Can I have my iPad? Acts 12. I just want to read this. And you'll see this, this process in action. And then we're going to pray. This is when Herod imprisoned Peter. Herod kills the apostle James. So James dies. Right? And Herod sees that this deed pleases the Jews. So he wants to gain more popularity. So he goes after the apostle Peter. And he, he doesn't kill him straight away. He imprisons him. Read from verse uh, 2. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. Because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now this was during the days of the unleavened bread. Now the days of the unleavened bread was the feast of Passover. And you know in the feast of Passover, one of the principles about Passover is this, you have immunity. You have protection. Remember when Israel left Egypt? They were protected. So Peter is living in a season where the protection of God is heightened. Then he says, and when he had arrested him, put him into prison, delivered him to four quads. How is this for maximum security? One guy, four quads of soldiers to keep him, intending him to bring him before the people after the Passover. So he plans bringing him before the people after the Passover and execute Peter. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but, everyone say but. I like this, eh? Kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the, by the church. Listen to this. When Herod was about to bring him out that night, in other words, just before Herod is going to do this deed, God steps in almost at the 11th hour. And some of you feel like it's your 11th hour. I'm here to tell you the Lord's about to step in. Amen. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, that the King of glory might... Come in. God is going to step in now in such a powerful fashion. And see what happens. That night Peter was sleeping. I like Peter's disposition. This guy's not worried. If you knew that your head's about to roll, this guy says, no problem. Like a different Peter that you read in the Gospels now. Eh? He's like, no problem. I'll sleep because he neither sleeps nor slumbers. And he's resting. Eh? Bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and light shone in the prison. How's that? God is highly dramatic. God will make a very good film director. Right? I like the way the Lord works. Eh? 
And it says, what verse are we on? Light shone in the prison. He struck Peter on the side and raised him up saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Supernatural. The angel said to him, Gird yourself, tie your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garments and follow me. Now, here's it, verse 9. So they went out and followed him and did not know that it, what was done by the angel was real. He thought he was just seeing one big vision, Peter. He says, It's too good to be true. Tell your neighbor, too good to be true. Let me tell you, the way in which God's going to deal with us, we're going to have to pinch ourselves and say, is this real or are we dreaming? Is this real or are we, or are we having a vision? Right? God's going to do something so dramatic, we're going to have to yank ourselves into reality as it were. Right? And then it says, verse 10, when, I like this, when they were past the first and the second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And you just say, hey, this is real. I'm out of this prison. So he goes past some, some of the version, other versions of the Bible, first God post, second God post. It's like you go through one realm, opens. Next one, it opens. You go through the biggest obstacle, the city gates, iron, sit bow, iron bars, city gates, and the Bible says it simply opens of its own accord, and he goes out. He actually goes to Mary's house where they're praying. Remember? And what does Peter do? Rhoda, little girl, comes to the... Oh, it's Peter. Close, doesn't let him in. Closes the door. Just wait a bit. <laughs> Runs like a little girl, 12 years old. 12, run, and she interrupts the prayer meeting. Hey, guys, uh, Peter's at the door. Now they're praying, still busy praying for Peter's deliverance. Yeah, this girl says, oh, the answer to our prayer is at the door. Essentially, what she's saying. They didn't believe her. Right? Then they come and they say, oh, it is Peter. Amen. I really believe what you've been praying for is at your door. I really believe God is saying the stuff we've been praying for is rightly positioned for us. Tell you about domino effect. I'm trusting God for a domino. One door will lead to others. When you, when you, I would like to encourage you to do an analysis of Peter's deliverance. I haven't done it yet. It's not at the time. But some of you do it. Check how progressively things happen. Chains fall off. I don't know what happened to the guys watching him must have been blinded. He goes past the first, the second, out of the prison, into the street, sees these city gates. These gates just... These are the first recorded automated doors in history. Do you think you stand in front of that red set? No, yes, it's here. God sent an angel and says, no problem, and you go out. Okay? I want to encourage you. Uh, what? Put your Bibles for the next two minutes. Put your Bibles down. You know it's down. Open heaven and an open door. I want you to go through this week with this ringing in your mind. God has set before me opportunity. Set before me open doors. My valley of Acor is a door of hope. There's a door to preach, a door to declare the word of the Lord. A door to declare the mystery of Christ like I've never had before. Uh, a supernatural door. The windows of heaven are going to open and dispense with me both physical and spiritual resource. For many of you, a wide and effective door is going to open up for you to declare. 
And for some doors, take your brother, take your brother with you. God's going to break the foundations of some imprisoning experiences so that that prison is non-existent anymore. God's not going not, to not just open the prison door. He will basically shake the foundations of the prison itself and say enough is enough. Uh, that thing will not incarcerate you any longer. Amen. But what I want us to do right now is we're going to do this. For everyone who asks, receives. Anyone who seeks, he finds. God says, whoever knocks, what happens? Doors will be opened unto the person that, as an imagery of a disposition of intensity within the spirit of one that is intent. Lord, open that door. Open that door. Career paths on the home front, uh, light bulb moments, uh, moments, new ideas, success and open doors in business. I really believe because you have lifted up your head, you door, the king of glory is about to come in and open up significant doors for you. And please remember this. It's God's going to use you, Paul, Silas, as a testimony for others. Your deliverance is not going to be private and personal. It's going to activate many people to come into the same dimension that you are going to come into. Your open door is at hand. Open heaven and an open door. Amen. Let's stand. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands to the Lord. Father, we lift up our hands. We thank you for, for what you're going to give to us. I thank you, Lord, that you are the one who opens doors and who shuts doors. And no man is able to close the door that you open. No man is able to open the door that you close. First of all, Father, we submit ourselves to the fact that you are sovereign. You are our sovereign Father, our sovereign God. We don't question the things you permit, the things you allow or you disallow. Like David who sought you to to preserve the life of the child that he brought to Bathsheba. And the child died after seven days of him praying to you and fasting. But after that, it says, Lord, that he washed his head, he anointed himself, and he went into the temple and he worshipped. We come before you, we lift up our hands and we worship you, testify to the fact that you are our God. And we want to say, Father, deal sovereignly with us as you will. Close doors that we not, should not be pursuing. Close them, Father for our own safety and protection. But Father, we, based on the word that you've said to us this morning, we want to pray and knock on heaven's door for you to open up doors of opportunity that we know is our portion in God. So Father, I pray those realms be open now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Be open. I thank you, O God, that many opportunities, many access points, supernatural provision. Doors to declare your word. Doors for great and effectual service, even in the nations, are now going to start to open up at a rate that will be far greater than what we've ever had before. I pray specifically, any imprisoning circumstance, limiting circumstance, as you have promised us, O God, you will release us from these prisons. Shake the foundations of the things that bind us. Don't just open the door. Shake the institution. Shake its structure, Father. Shake its representation. Break its power. Break its authority in our lives in the name of Jesus. Cause us like you did Peter 
to walk effortlessly, not just out of the prison, even out of the city, out of the, the, the city life, out of the realm of existence, behavior patterns, oh God, that seem to predominate and infect us. I ask, lead us out by your sovereign hand. I ask even now that, like Peter had the, the angels, the ministry of angels, work on his behalf. Your word says that we are your son, your firstborn sons, and that angels are sent to minister to us who are heirs of salvation. Now, Father, I ask, send angelic help. Send angelic assistance to many people. I pray that angels begin your work even now, in the name of the Lord. Begin your work even now in the name of the Lord. I ask, go before us. Go before us and open pathways of release. We desire nothing more than to please you and to do your will. So I thank you for an open door. I thank you for an open heaven. Now, Father, I really pray, like you said to John, come up higher and I will show you things to come. I've set before you a door in the heavens open. Come up higher and see. I pray, open my sight, open my understanding to see prophetically far higher and further than we ever had before. This is our desire. Open these doors for us. Give us understanding. In the name of Jesus, thank you for my open door. In Jesus' name.